from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. And welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, and we are on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives Program right here in snowy Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and I'm here along with the Dream Team, Michelle Stocker and Dion Simpkins. For the next hour, we are live and taking your phone calls right now at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You can also tweet your questions at Dr. Don Graham, and we would love to answer them on the air. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. It's coming up. It's the, the holiday everybody he's been waiting for or maybe dreading depending on who you are um but to help us with our valentine's day show and to help you give your resume and career some love we welcome back one of our most popular guests ross mcpherson who is the president of career quest a certified interview and job search coach he is recognized as one of the best resume writers in north america Ross has spoken extensively to audiences across the U.S., Canada, and Asia, including our MBA students right here at Wharton. We're so excited to have him back on Career Talk today. Ross, welcome. Thank you. So thrilled to be back. Yeah, where are you in the world today? Where am I in the world? (laughs) I'm actually back home. Oh, I'm I'm back home. Yes, I just got in from Houston last night, so I'm back home in in snowy Toronto. Snowy Toronto. So so what's what's new and exciting in your world? It's 2017. What's going on, oh, Ross? I know. Just an awful lot a lot of speaking, which is which is fantastic and it's it's very busy. There's a, a lot of action it seems in in the career world. So I'm um, I'm keeping myself very busy. A lot of people wanting to make some changes and just do exactly what you said. Show their resume and their LinkedIn some some love and, and see if there's a new great opportunity out there. Yeah, and I think 2017 is going to be an interesting year because we're moving into a lot of those trends that we've seen coming, like the gig economy. Um, I've heard that companies are actually going to be treating applicants better, which is which is a great thing. <laughs> Always good to hear. <laughs> yes, we and we hope that's very true. Um, as a matter of fact, Facebook just just announced that they're going to have six months family leave every year for employees. Which, really? Which is which is incredible. Staggering. So, I mean, good things are happening. Let's hope they keep them up. So, uh, are you a New Year's resolution kind of guy, Ross? Um, <laughs> you know, every year I, I sort of am, and I'm, I'm <laughs> honestly, I can honestly say I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm doing okay so far. All right. Well, usually it's, it's around Valentine's Day that that all New Year's resolutions start to, to dwindle. So yeah. you've got, you've got a couple more days. I of... got a couple more days to, to fall completely <laughs> off that horse. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Valentine's Day. Um, Either listeners love or hate this, but I always like to bring in some fun facts. Do you, do you know that there are four places in the U.S., four states that actually have a town called Valentine? I had no idea. Right. Dion, Michelle, do you, can you name any? There's four. I mean, I'm going with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Missouri. No. Damn it. <laughs> It's Valentine. That, 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 that doesn't count, by the way. Okay, no, no, that doesn't count. We're not we're not counting that as a wrong answer because these were a surprise question. Valentine, Wyoming. No, Dang no, it. but hey, if we have anybody listening in a town called Valentine in the U.S. or anywhere, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And those states would be Arizona, Nebraska, Texas, and Virginia. Who knew? Hmm. Who knew? So, so. Today, Ross, we're going to talk about giving your resume some love, but yep. we also have a ton of other fun topics, video interviewing, video bios, cover letters, LinkedIn. I mean, you can speak about it all. So you know, are there any interesting trends in the resume world going on right now? In the resume world, one that's kind of interesting, and some people may have seen it, is these these new graphic resumes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're typically one page. They're, they're, they're not text heavy. They're very graphically driven, so you'll have charts and timelines and things, and they're they're really dynamic to look at. There's no two ways about it. I'm seeing an awful lot more of them, and certainly I'm sure you've seen them through the business school as well. Uh, so they are out there. They're, they're certainly out there. They're still, uh, I think there's a mixed opinion on, on how they're received by companies. I think some people love them, and some people don't. I don't think it, it contains as much information about an individual as they'd like, but I will say this. If you are, are going to put one together, all I could recommend is, I mean, I think they can look fantastic. Just make certain... It looks as dynamic as it can. I mean, I know people that have done it well, 
have typically gotten a graphic designer friend of theirs or something like that wow. to do it for them. Um, and it can look spectacular, it can really do it, but it, sometimes it can be a little style over substance, and that's why some recruiters are a little less inclined. But that's one of the, the sort of more popular resume trends out there. Other than that, really, it really still boils down to, you know, your, your resume has got to market you. It's got to market the value you offer. It's got to make you stand out from people like you. It's so interesting to me that having been in this this field for a very long time, and I know you have been as well, that the resume is that, that thing that, that still needs to be a part of this process. I mean, social yeah. media has changed so many things, and, but the resume has been kind of that 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 standard piece that you still need, even if you're networking, even if you're using Facebook mm-hmm. to find your jobs, even if you have a graphic resume or you have a slide share, you've put together, you know, some kind of video bio, like like you work on those yep. two. I mean, you need that piece of paper and it needs to be well-written, concise, and have a lot of impact. Exactly. And we've been, I mean, again, we've, we've both been in this industry long enough um, and I'm sure some of your listeners also remember that there have been times when people have said the resume is dead, the latest thing is this or that. And LinkedIn is probably the only thing that threatens the resume and stuck around. Um, but now it's the resume and LinkedIn. They go hand but hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the resume just won't go away. It's people still want to see it. And you're absolutely right. It's still got to be great. Not just good. It's got to be great. Yeah. And it has changed in certain aspects. I mean, if you have if your resume right now says uh, references available upon request or has an objective, you really, really, really need a, a resume oh, makeover. We, we need to show it a lot more than a little love. Yeah. It's, it's long out of due. Yeah. Long overdue. Yeah. But, and, and I find most people have moved away from that. They're, they're getting comfortable with the, the profile statement or the summary statement to get a lot of impact. And quite frankly, as somebody who knows that this stat is true, which is that, that hiring managers or recruiters probably spend about six seconds on your resume. Yep. I think that is the most important part. And I can't tell you how many resumes I see that skip that that top third of the page where mm-hmm. they can put their most um, their biggest accomplishments, their most impressive information, and, and in that six seconds get a lot of impact. They just go into either their education or they go into their most recent job. And that, that basically has somebody say, okay, I guess this is what you're doing. This is what you want to do. And this is yeah. who you are. And it's not who you are. You have so much more than your most recent job. Oh, absolutely. And if you're looking to make a bit of a switch, you, you, you need that top little section, what I call a profile or a summary. You've got to position yourself for that next opportunity. Everyone, this is a mistake a lot of people make. And I think, I think you can agree is when people are putting their resume together, they think they're always looking backwards. What have I done? Mm-hmm. And it's important. I'm not saying that's not a critical part of your resume, what you've done and the value you've added. But it, any resume should be what I call aspirational. It should be pointing you ultimately to the next opportunity. And you've got to position yourself in that top section for your next opportunity, whether that's a move up or a move across or a move into a different industry. It's got to position you for the next opportunity because that's who the people reading it are looking for you at. Yep, and that summary part, I think about it as like if your resume is a book, you're not going to pick up a book and read the first chapter necessarily. You're going to look, you're flip it over, you're going to look at like the summary. Is this something that interests me? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that summary, people are going to move on to the next one because, I mean, unfortunately, they don't have time to read even two pages, even one page. Oh, I know. They don't have time to read that. They have six seconds. And I don't think that number is um, dramatically estimated or uh, over underestimated. What am I trying to say? Underestimated. <laughs> it's not extreme at all. It there you really go. Right Thank you, money. Ross. You're always right you're always the there money. for me. It's an, it is right on the money. So we're going to go to Lauren in Washington. Lauren, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi. Good morning. I have an awesome question. Oh, you're great. Awesome. We love awesome, awesome questions. questions. I do. I do. You're going to love it. It's six quick steps and two questions. So. I've been a solopreneur for three years. I need to go back and have. Here's the story. I was an HR executive for 25 years. I got recessioned. I went back to school full-time for graphic design, got Adobe certified, started my own graphic design business, taught myself web design to expand my work, and it did. I then learned SEO and analytics, integrated this as well. I've been bootstrapping. It's not enough money, and I need to go in-house. So. Here's the two questions. One is, how do I put a positive spin on my entrepreneurial journey? And on LinkedIn, I have an awesome summary. How do I word my current position because I am the company? Can I just say, before I even answer that, Lauren, I I love the way you bullet pointed your career. I mean, you just... 
bam, 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 clear. That's how I operate. I mean, yeah, it's obvious. I mean, I like you use, you use recessioned as a as a, a verb. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I that the other day. So, okay, no, great question, and you're right. It is a great question um, because a lot of people are doing this. They're they're moving from entrepreneur to uh, back to industry, or they're moving from military into corporate, or they're making a career switch. I mean, this is the where we are right now, and it's like, how do I take this piece of paper? And Ross, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's not a historical document necessarily; it's an aspirational one. How do you take what you've done and show people how it will work in the future for something that? maybe you haven't done. Ross, Ross, what do you advise for Lauren? Uh, well, first off, Lauren, it is a great question. Um, and certainly everything that you've done, and it is really common now to, to see resumes where people have had some point in their career, usually in the more recent part of their career, where they've done something a little more entrepreneurial. And that's actually really quite common out there. I would, at the top, I mean, again, you know, treat your resume, build that profile at the top in, in the most, you know, if it is an in-house role, um, on that sort of more technology, graphic design, SEO, end of, the, end of the world, wherever it happens to be, that's what the top section of your resume should talk about. If you want to mention the fact that you have, you may not want to say 25 plus years per se, but if you want to say that you've got a corporate background, then people understand that you're, gonna, you're not just entrepreneurial, that you do fit in and have fit in and have built a career with that kind of corporate background. But I would still treat it the same way. I mean, and certainly if you're going to do something a little bit more creative, you can be a little more creative with the resume. If you are looking, and this is for yourself, Lauren, or anybody, if you're looking to make a bit of a career switch where you're trying to market an ability that you haven't yet had years and years and years of experience doing, you know you can do it and you know it's a great fit. Um, one of the little things you can do in a resume, it's sort of the resume writer's secret, secret phrase, is um, ideally suited to or able to. So you can't say you've got you know, 10, 15 years experience doing X, but you can say I'm able to, and then bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And that kind of goes at the top of your resume in that little profile or summary section, where you can say I'm able to contribute in this way, fix this, adjust to that, you know, communicate this or whatever it happens to be. And you can put four or five really strong bullet points in there saying I'm ideally suited to contribute in this way or I'm able to contribute in this way. Then you're talking the language of where you want to go, what you want to do, what you can do. Instead, you know, because again, if you're making a bit of a switch or trying to make, um, you know, a, a, a delicate career move, sometimes it is tricky to say I've got X years experience doing it. So that's one of the options you've got. But it sounds like you've got some strong background, Lauren. You just, we really need to sell it. And it sounds from the way you described it to us, you'd have no trouble, you know, laser lasering in on the kind of value you could add and where you could where you could. Yeah, I think that your your one of your greatest strengths, Lauren, is your ability to to take that story that you have, put it together in a concise, powerful manner that other people can relate to and understand. And it's just about what Ross said, taking that next step and putting it together in that summary. And Ross, I will say this. I know I've heard you say this a number of times, but this is this is the money point I want to pull out of what you just said. Yeah. Um, ideally suited to. I want people to listen to that because instead of, especially if you're changing careers, instead of saying something like seeking opportunity or or passionate about, you know, ideally suited to, is in my opinion the the best phrase you can use when you're looking to make that shift. So yeah, it, what it does is again, if you say at the top of your resume, and I've seen people. Let's say for example, and one classic example I remember from from a client that I had was a an individual that was trying to go from a very scientific area into a, just a pure business area. And that was a complete switch at his organization, and he was actually going back to school for it. And he built a resume that was all about his science background. And then at the top, all it had was a little objective statement that said, you know, looking for an opportunity on the business side of the business or something to that effect. That was the only line that referenced where he was going and what he could add to that. The rest of it was all about what he had done in the past, which had no bearing on it or very little. So you, re, you rebuild it and reframe it to say, this is where I'm trying to go, and here's what I can do for you. And if you can actually talk the language of here's where I can add value in this new career, in this new area, then all of a sudden people on the receiving end, the HR people, the recruiters, they're suddenly now seeing, oh, okay, he or she is talking our language, understands where he or she can add value. And you're talking a totally different language. You look like a much stronger candidate as opposed to someone who's just hoping 
to make a, a career switch. Yes, and hope is not a strategy, hope is Lauren. Not a strategy. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk today. Hey, are you switching jobs and wondering how to do your resume or LinkedIn? Um, or maybe you've been out of the workforce or you have job hopping. On your background and you're, you're wondering how to position that on your resume, you are tuning in on the right day because we have resume expert Ross McPherson joining us today on Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and you can reach us all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, we are live taking your calls and... Today's show is about giving your resume some love. So, okay, I want to talk about the summary a little bit more, Ross, because I know we we talk about it a lot, but I don't know that we've ever gone into, like, the mechanics of of how to build this. And I've seen some summaries that are half-page. I've seen some summaries that are three sentences, and both can be equally powerful. But how do you even go about constructing a profile statement or summary? That's a really great question because I'll be honest with you, it is a really, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's a critical part of the resume, but it is also, in my opinion, I write these for a living. It's probably one of the toughest sections to get right. Here's my first little tip. When I'm writing a resume, it's not the first thing I write. It's actually the last section I write. Me too. Um, it has to it be. Is, it is the toughest because <laughs> I want to, here's what I do. I write the entire resume. I get a whole sense for this individual's career. So when you're writing your resume, you're writing out every detail of it. You've got the whole career in front of you. What you want to do then is go build up a great profile and really kind of distill what's the essence of my message here? What am, where do I really add value? So in terms of the mechanics, there's one major part of it, which is what I call a headline. What I would recommend uh, your listeners not do is at the top of their summary or profile, please do not put the word summary or profile. We <laughs> Stating know it the is. obvious. It's, yeah, and that actually, resume. Believe yeah, that or worse, <laughs> resume at the top of resume. Um, we know it is, and 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 you don't need to say that. Um, I understand why you will, because you put a title at every other heading of the resume. I get that. But if you've got my attention and you put this right smack in the middle of the page at the top, that's actually the first section I'm going to see before you even even your name. To be honest, I'm going to see that little section, and I'll tell people bold it, make the font a little bigger, put it right in the middle, and put a headline that actually says who you are. So if you're a senior IT project manager, put senior IT project manager at the top, right bolded, centered, right at the top of your profile. And then underneath that, you could maybe put another line underneath it that says, you know, 12 years experience, um, PMP, Fortune 500 experience, or something like that. And then all of a sudden, in two lines, that headline automatically just, you know, qualifies you right out of the gate. And I know who you are. And I know you've had this similar situation, Don, where you, you know, I see resumes every single day that people send me um, that aren't working. And one of the reasons is I'll read the entire first page and not have a clue what this person does mm-hmm. or who they're trying to be or who they're trying to market themselves as. If you position this properly with a really strong headline at the top, um, you know, that right off the bat in a second and a half of those six seconds you get, I know kind of who you are. Then you can go into a little blur. If you wanted to put two tiny little tiny little paragraphs in there, you can, or one. Please don't put a giant 12-line paragraph, because I promise you no one's reading it. Yeah, I would even forget the word paragraph. because oh, really? I'm like, it's scary, yeah. Like, yeah, just a, one one sentence, maybe two. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what you mean when you say paragraph. Oh, that's you're what like, I mean. Thanks like, for clarifying. Max that's two sentences. What I mean. That's what tiny paragraph means in my world. And then you could, if you wanted to, you could put some bullet points under it, like the, you know, ideally suited to in areas you can contribute to. Or you could put bullet points of some of your amazing successes. So if you've been in, let's just pick sales, for example. You know, you could even have at the end of that little one or two line um, a kind of mini paragraph, you could put something like, you know, um, performance includes and then put, four or five bullet points of some of your absolute biggest successes throughout your career. And then you could put, you know, if you want, if you have some certification, you can include it in there. What I often tell people is what you want to try to get across in here is what is the essence of the value you can add to my company? What are you known for? I'll even use that phrase, known for I love that phrase the too. ability to do this mm-hmm. and this and this. Not many people think you could actually say that, but why not? If that's what your, your track record is, known, you know, known for a consistent ability to do A, B, and C, and all A, B, and C are all ways in which you can contribute, make the company bigger, better, faster, more profitable, whatever it happens to be. Really talk about the value you can add to an organization, what your performance you know, means to how you help a company. 
if you simply make this summary a list of skills, you're going to sound like everyone else out there like you who has similar skills. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing really I want to point out yourself. while you're yeah. saying that, when you're talking about sounding like everyone else, please, 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 if you have any of these phrases on your in your headline or <laughs> even in your resume or on your LinkedIn, take them out. Um, I, Ross, you're going to give some to you. Like, uh, we can go back and forth. Like, one, results-driven. Oh, that's a – yeah. Or results – please don't put results-orientated. <laughs> Isn't it? I've orientated always, is not a it's, word. I was going to say, it's oriented, first it's off. Oriented. But... There's no such word as orientated, and yes. it just makes me cringe. Um, it yeah, is the results, grammar show. Yeah, yes. results-oriented has been done to death. Um, the phrase strong team player with outstanding oral and written communication skills is a cliché. And if you uh, – I always – it kills me. If you've got great communication skills, you're not talking in clichés. You know, actually say, if you want to communicate that you have great communication skills, say something like, you know, proven communication ability or known as a great communicator when dealing with, you know, vendors, third party, um, you know, strategic partners, this, this group and that audience. Then you're putting it in a context and it means something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of phrases that... that Innovative. That like, yeah. I mean, again, I like just pointing it out. Show, don't tell. If you're, if you're a great team leader talk about the fact that your direct reports have all been promoted or yeah. you've you've had the highest retention rates of, of everybody at your company or things like that show them yeah. you're a great leader or show them back it up back it up back it up that sounds like a song <laughs> back it up back it up i don't yeah. know <laughs> absolutely so yeah so i wanted to make sure i put out that point because these great great phrases are so um, useless. People read yep. them and it means nothing. No, I mean, skip over them. So, so find. Plus, you want to find what's unique to you. What is it about you? I mean, that that's different from other people. And you know, results oriented, team player, great communications. I mean, everybody's putting it. You got to be different. So the yeah. the last thing I want to say about summaries, and um, this is critical. You have to write it for your audience. So, oh, yeah. so like you were talking about. To write a resume, you want to go through all of your skills and what have you done and what are your accomplishments and what are your achievements. But when you finally put that document together, you want it to appeal to your audience. So if if they're looking for somebody who who is, you know, five years out of out of school, maybe or, you know, those things, you want to look at those specific requirements, somebody who can deal well with vendors, somebody who can negotiate with it. And then you want to take your skills and pick and choose the ones that are going to be most appealing to that audience. Well, you're, you're, that is so critical because it, you have to consider that this is one of the ways that you're really going to you know, knock it out of the park is if you treat this like a marketing exercise. And you know, mark, anyone in marketing understands that you could have a great product or service. And in this case, it's you. But if you could have a great product or service, but if you don't know what makes your, keeps your audience up at night, what they really need, then you can't market to them properly. You can't market to them effectively. Otherwise, you're just, you know, if you think about it, if you don't know what your target audience wants with your resume and write to that, you're really just writing about yourself and then you're just sort of throwing darts in the dark, hoping it hits a bullseye. I'd rather you did a more strategic approach, which is here's, I'm going to do a little research into what my target audience, the kind of roles I want to do at the kind of companies I want to work for. I'm going to start researching it, which is looking at job postings, talking to people, connecting with people, learning what you can about what they need, and then you write to that. Then you know you're hitting it, you're laser focusing it on what your target audience wants. Otherwise, you are just sort of shooting blindly there. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and don't forget to back it up. That's going to be our up. motto. Back it up, back it up. <laughs> I don't know if why. That that... In the song, we got to put a melody No, to no that. you know where that song's coming from? I was trying to think in my head, where's that coming from? So if you've ever seen that movie, Burlesque with Cher, they have a song at the end that... Um, it's not back it up, but it kind of something like that. Yeah. So there's there's a little tidbit into the craziness of my mind. Um, <laughs> hey, if you're just tuning in, we've got Ross McPherson here, resume writer extraordinaire, who is giving us his best tips and secrets on writing a great resume for 2017. So you can give us a call at 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, we're taking your calls all hour long. You're listening to Career Talk. And we are going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay. So in honor of the upcoming holiday, which is Valentine's Day, people in this profession in the U.S. receive the most Valentine's cards, followed by 
children, mothers, and wives. And just as an insider tidbit, children between the ages of 6 and 10 exchange more than 650 million Valentine's cards. Holy cow. So people in this profession in the U.S. receive the most Valentine's cards. Do you think you know? Give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You are listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brown. And welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM. Channel 111 and Dion found the song so that I don't sound half as crazy as I usually do. So that's it. We're just going to change the words. Back it up. Back it up. <laughs> we, I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Ross McPherson, resume writer extraordinaire. Hey, Ross, where can people reach you? Because you're giving such great advice. I can just imagine people are... Where can I get this guy to help me with my resume? Well, I mean, you could certainly go to my website at yourcareerquest.com, or you could email me directly, uh, Ross, R-O-S-S, at yourcareerquest.com. And if you really want to talk to me, call me toll-free, 1-877-426-8548. I would love to help. I love that you have a phone number. I know. Old school, (laughs) huh? It's so awesome that you have a phone. Now, do you actually answer it? Or, I, mean, I will actually answer You will actually an- You I'm can actually, actually talk to Ross. To a real person. A real person. <laughs> That's awesome. So, okay, so it's our Valentine's <laughs> Day show. We're showing your resume some love, all of that stuff. We're live taking your calls all hour at 844-WARTON. That's 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, give us a call. We'd love to chat with you. So, okay, we're talking about Valentine's Day fun facts. So, interestingly... Um, I did I did put a question out there, but I have a, another one for, for Michelle and Dion and Ross. So what state do you think in the U.S. spends the most money on tokens of love for Valentine's Day? What state puts oh. the most money out there? Do you, do you think you know anyone? I'm going to guess California because everything out there is expensive. <laughs> it has like the most expensive dinners and hotels for Valentine's Day. So I've read. So you've read. I'm going to say Nevada. Interesting. Because Vegas, choice. people get married and, you know, at, at, the, at, at the Elvis <laughs> Chapel. Brothels. Bro- brothels. Okay. That's one way. <laughs> okay. I don't know where this question is going. It's actually Kansas, and I don't think they oh. have brothels, so I don't know what they're spending their money on wah, out there. Wah. Yeah, Kansas. So if you're in Kansas, expect a pretty nice wow. gift. New Hampshire is dead last. So if you're in New Hampshire, don't Sorry. get your hopes up. You're not going to get something for more than $30. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, though, because, Ross, you are in Canada, I looked this up in Canada, too. Oh, um, no. Yeah, apparently Albertans and Quebecers, I don't even know if that's what the right thing to say, but I, sure. s- spend the uh, their Valentine's Day budget on flowers, Ontarians' jewelry, and British Columbians spend the most money on candy. Who knew? There you go. <laughs> so, and, and you know what? I can actually speak from experience that jewelry is in here in Ontario is the go-to for me. Really? Oh, yeah. So so can you give us a, a hint about uh, what no, you No, I think I gave away enough already. All Keep right. All right. <laughs> I may have to go ahead and get some chocolate <laughs> and flowers. Now. I know. All right. We don't want to ruin it for you. We don't want to ruin that. So, okay. But let's go to our pre-break quiz, which is people in this profession in the U.S. receive the most Valentine's Day cards. And we're going to go to John in North Carolina. John, welcome to Career Talk. What's your guess? I would say uh, this has got to be hands down teachers. You know, uh, they get it, you know, you know, having kids, you know, that went through elementary school. I mean, they probably get you know, 40 a day or 40, you know, teachers, educators would be my guess. John, you are so on the money. Ding, ding. D- I have to ask Dion, was that what you were going to say? That was my answer. All right. So we have to give Dion some credit because it, it happens so do infrequently. We, yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> do we, uh... Teachers. I'm like two in everything. So if you want some love, you know, go be a teacher. So, so John, you are spot on. Spot on. That is awesome. Hey, I, I just want to say also, this show is, is just incredible. 
I mean, it's kind of like you guys are in the ministry business, helping so many people out <laughs> with careers and resumes. And, and, you know, you listen to the show for an hour, it, it's worth it's worth a thousand dollars. Oh, my God. It's incredible. This show is just, you guys rock, and you're helping so many people. I'm just I'm just one of the many across this uh, fooded plane that uh, feel this way. You, you guys are, are just fantastic. Can't say enough good about the show. And, and John. I, I stumbled upon the show, and, 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 you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. I love it. Oh, you totally made my day. You're so much better than a Valentine's Day card. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> So good to be a radio host, but thank you so much. This is our purpose. I'm glad you mentioned that, John, because I will tell you, Dion, Michelle, and I, and guests like Ross, we are here for you guys. We want to know what's going to be most helpful. So, hey, I'm going to tag on to that with if you listen to the show and there's a topic, a guest, or something that would be helpful to you, tweet at Dr. Don Graham, because I would love to hear it and we will bring it to you. And interestingly, John, a lot of our guests are people who listeners have recommended. They say, oh, you got to you gotta have this person on. They were so helpful. And we bring them on. So we would love listeners like you to contribute to Career Talk and help us to program and build what is going to be most useful for listeners. So, John, you totally made my day, my week, my Valentine's, all of those things. Thank you so much. And you got the pre-break quiz correct which you know is awesome you, you stole it from dion but he's a good sport no no i got it right too <laughs> he did. I, no, I got it right. <laughs> john is my favorite caller ever john, john's my favorite caller ever now too <laughs> <laughs> thank you john we appreciate it and we would love to hear from you at 844 wharton that's 844-942-7866 so the answer to the pre-break quiz was teachers but i have to say one more quick thing about valentine's day then i promise i will drop it okay this is so interesting to me ross um (laughs) a survey that was done in canada said that 44 percent of women and 45 percent of men said that their ideal valentine's gifts was simply spending time together and they appreciated this above receiving a gift which is super sweet I like the sound of that. So the fact that you got jewelry on top of that is probably yeah, going to be good. Yeah. But but the reason I bring that up is to contrast <laughs> that in the U.S. they did a survey and they found that 53% of women would break up with their significant other if they didn't get a gift. Oh, boy. So I don't know what that says about our, our two countries there, but I, I thought that was an interesting contrast. Wow. <laughs> So that's all I'm going to say about that. Hey, we're going to go to Tom in Missouri. Tom, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Um, Before I get to my question, I wanted to try to upstage John and just tell you how much I love the show. Oh, Oh, showing the love today. Oh, I do. I feel so loved. Two things about that real quick before I get to my question. First of all, Ross, I love the um, verbiage you put in or suggested as far as ideally suited to yes. or ideally suited for. I love it. it I'm going right. to add it to my resume today. Um, secondly, Dawn, the, um, I think it was two weeks ago. Wait, no, it was, uh, da, 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 it was last week when um, you, I think you had someone on, um, one of your guests was talking about if you happen on a cover letter to put the wrong name. Ah, uh, yes. And yes. then how to, how to like, Send an email that says, one of my biggest strengths is admitting when I make a mistake. Yes, that was Tom Gimbel from uh, okay. LaSalle Network. Yep. So, so Dawn, I had a phone interview mm-hmm. last week. And throughout, I'm just going to make up a name. Throughout the interview, I kept calling the gentleman on the other line, Mike. Mm-hmm. And when, in fact, his name was Tony. Oh, I don't know why, like his last name began with, and so I sent him. Wait, he didn't correct you through this whole interview? He didn't correct me, and we talked for over an hour. Oh, my gosh. so I sent him an email back (laughs) because I sent him an email back. I always send an email, thank you. I know that that's big things, but I want to do it immediately. And so I sent him an email, and I said, you know, uh, hey, Tony, I realized, you know, that throughout the conversation I kept calling you Mike. One of my, or I started with one of my biggest strengths is admitting when I make a mistake, which I thought was perfect. And and um, he's like, oh, no, I totally get it. I should have probably corrected you. But after a while, I, it was almost too late. And we had a great conversation because of that. So it was also kind of an icebreaker, too, you know, as a follow up. So it was great. So you're um, using this real time. You're using the show real time. 
I love yeah, it. No, it, it works. And John was right. This is worth $1,000. If anybody's looking for a job, <laughs> they need to listen to this show and get your podcast, which is the same show. But even if you miss it on a Thursday, it's perfect. Okay. Yes, you're right. Oh, and actually, my... um, it is yeah. podcasted on, on iTunes and Google Play, Dr. Dawn on Careers. And we replay this show, the live Thursday show, several times throughout the week, Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern and Wednesday at 7 a.m. So thank you, Tom, for reminding yeah. me because I, I always forget to say that. And um, no, Ross, it's great. It's great. Yes. Real quick, and my question is, what do you do with, you know, you worked at a place um, and I was always taught that, like, underneath your, your um, where you work, do you give your title and, and then you talk about, like, two or three bullet points about what you did there. And what I've done over time is the ones that are, you know, the ones that are older. I've been in the professional world 22 years. So mm-hmm. things that are over 10 years, I basically just put where I work and my title and how long I was there. The newer things, I might have two or three bullets. Do I even need that or is that antiquated to do that kind of stuff or what? Go, Ross. Um, is, is the question, great question. I mean, it, just to clarify, is the question how far back do you go into detail on your resume? Is that really what we're getting to? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Okay, so I mean, I'll answer it in a couple different ways. First off, and and this is a really common one, so I'm sure there's hundreds out there who are hearing, feeling the same thing. How far back you go on your resume when you've been in a career, you know, 20 plus years uh, as you had? First off, and this is not an exact science, so my answer is you go back as far as is relevant. So what you can do is obviously, if your more recent roles are the most relevant roles. Give me, give me, you can feel free. Go up to like, you know, five bullet points if you want to. I mean, tell me what you really did there. Um, really showcase the kind of value you added and do that obviously for the most recent, most relevant roles. If there's a role in there that isn't as relevant or you weren't there as long, I mean, you can give it one or two and that's fine. But if you're worried about when you go back, you know, earlier in your career, one of the things I'll do is I'll, I'll really kind of go to town and really sell, you know, a person's experience at this company and this role and the one before that and the one before that. But when I start getting back to the less relevant, you can always reach a point at the bottom of your experience section where you can say, and I'll usually just sort of italicize it, put it in the middle of the page and just say previous experience includes roles with, you know, ABC company, LMNOP incorporated and something else. And that's all I need to say. Or it could be, you know, previous roles include senior analyst, um, you know, project manager and something else with this organization. And you're literally just giving a line that says, look, I've got previous experience, but there's no point in me going into it here. And remember, the resume is just getting you in the door. You don't, you're mm-hmm. not obligated by law to list everything you've ever done all the way back to the beginning. So if you want to just sort of go back and put more weight to the more recent, more relevant, go ahead and do that and then put some phrase like that at the bottom of the experience section. And that always covers it. Yeah, and I think to tag on to that, um, what Ross was saying, Tom, it's a marketing document. So yes, you want to be truthful because you don't want to get into the interview and not be able to answer questions and you want it to be compelling. So you want to put enough on there so they want more. But I also think it has to speak to the audience. So one of the things, Ross, that comes up a lot, I think, in our field is, what if my title internally is like evangelist two? <laughs> like, what does that mean on the outside world? A lot of people are concerned. They're like, well, that's my title. So I'm really a salesperson, but I don't know what to put on that's truthful, but also will appeal to the audience. Yeah, that's that's a really common one. Um, I mean, whether it's something like, you know, Evangelist 2, which is, I may use that one from now on. I like that. That's actually a title Microsoft used to use. Is it really? Yeah. Unreal. Um, (laughs) But sometimes your your title could be something like just, you know, it could be uh, manager. It, which doesn't say anything to anything. Anyway, um, you know, I've seen so many people, and I usually, if I'm speaking to a room full of, you know, 50, 100 people, I'll say, how many of you have had a job title that doesn't in any way reflect what you actually did in the role? And one-third of the room will put their hand up. Mm-hmm. So it's really quite common. What you can do, what doesn't go over well, is just randomly and arbitrarily changing your job title. People don't like that. Because um, remember, people will still call the company, um, follow up, uh, do the referrals, that kind of thing, and they want to know. And so... I would say what you can do is you can put the original uh, obscure, bizarre job title down, Evangelist 2, and then in either parentheses, in brackets afterwards, or a hyphen, then you can actually put a little blurb that actually clarifies. You could say, you know, similar to, um, you know, sales executive, or um, you could put sales, business development, and marketing after it. So what you're really saying is this was my title, but this was what the role was about. 
And that's one of the easiest ways to sort of clarify it. And here's a little tip. You can also do that on LinkedIn. Most, most people don't realize you get about 80-odd mm-hmm. 80, 80 characters for your job title. Mm-hmm. So you can go to town. You can really clarify what your job title is on LinkedIn as well. But just make sure you back it up. Tom. Yeah, back it up. Play the song. Go ahead. Come on, Play come the... on, Ross. Sing it. Sing it. Come on. No, no not in a million. Actually, uh, I've forgotten the melody entirely. Oh, come on. All right. Well, Tom, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. And also, for everything you said, we are totally here for you. I appreciate it. And um, if you want to join our conversation, I know Michelle hates me saying that. <laughs> At least you know. I do you know, know. I do That's know. Thing. It's such a radio phrase. It's one of those things like on the resume you should no longer say in radio. I'm going like, to say that's one of the key words that we're going to leave off of the radio show. Okay. Okay. Forget that. Um, give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So, Ross, I want to do – I like doing speed lightning rounds like okay. because I think it gives listener, listeners a lot of value in a very short amount of time. Um, so, we're just – we know already that on the resume objective references available all that is off but but there's some things resumes are constantly evolving so there's some things that people still put on that may or may not be necessary any longer so just tell me in or out full address absolutely not absolutely not i i I thought you were going to say that too and i think people are going to say wait what yeah that, that's from the old days when they used to mail you a response. You can just put your city down. Yeah, now they just Houston won't respond to you at all, so you don't have to worry yeah. about it. <laughs> that's terrible. Hopefully that's changing in 2017. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, out. Especially if you're you're looking to a um, career switch to a new geography or something like that. I mean, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot yeah. if you put your full address. But yeah, they nowadays, I would say phone number, and you don't need to say sell... Um, home, work, well, it's, I mean, if you have a home phone number still, um, they, they probably don't need to call that one. So yeah. cell phone is fine. You don't need to call it a cell. Email. And then I would also say LinkedIn URL. Yep, that's es- a handy one. Especially if you have a very common name. Okay, in or out. Functional resume, which is where you put your resume kind of chunked together in skill sets or competencies and then maybe put your work experience at the end or reverse chronological, which is the standard resume. You put your most recent job, then the, the previous job and previous job. I mean, are functional resumes in or out? Uh, functional resumes are out, but you can include a little functional section if you want to. Make it a functional small part section. of your resume. A hybrid, if you will. A hybrid, if you will. But no, they still want to see the reverse <laughs> chronology. Yeah. They, and I think that's an important thing as a recruiter. It goes back to why, even though there's these graphic resumes and dashboard resumes and slideshare resumes, why you still need to kind of have that traditional resume. Recruiters going to spend six seconds, and if it takes them a while to figure out where the information is or it's presented in a funky way, they may miss something or they just may not put the time in. So, yeah, functional resumes used to be super popular for when you had gaps on your resume, you're making a career switch. But I would say find a way to write a a strong summary and bring that great information up front and center and then still do more of a traditional resume. Okay, in or out on the resume, Ross, GPA or test scores? Uh, If you're right out of college... I can tolerate it, and I've heard people say they can tolerate it, but if you're 20 years in and you're talking about your degree from 1989, I, you've got to be kidding me. No, I would say they go out. Out. Um, yeah, so I would say if you've got a, a high GPA, putting something like cum laude or something is, is probably preferable, but yeah. um, let me. I've seen resumes of this. Like Your GPA is, is 3.3 out of 4.0. Mm. What do you think? Eh. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, that's good. It's that's, good, but it's not good enough to be like to showcase it. Put it yeah, that way. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I think that's a key point about anything. It's like don't hide the the great stuff by putting in some good stuff. Yeah, and that's kind of my my general thought. Um, so I do have a couple more, but before we do that, we are going to go to Claude in West Virginia. Welcome Excellent. to Career Talk, Claude. What's your question for us today? Actually, before I ask my question, I want to stop. John and Tom. Oh my God! <laughs> it's such a con. It's a love fest. It's a love I did fest. not pay these people. I, I'm like swear. Michelle. Michelle, what are you doing over there? <laughs> so, so I'm saying to Michelle and Don, well, you got to be my Valentine if I tell you Aww. the only reason I got. Well, not the only reason. One of the reasons I went back to uh, Sirius Radio was to hear your show. So. so- Come on. Yeah. No, yes. Yes, I accept, Claude. Me too. I accept. 
You yeah. have my heart. I, I I tell you all. I tell people all the time. It's like negotiating. You just have to ask. Sometimes you ask and you get Claude. I accept. <laughs> so, so my so my question. Um, I'm trying to switch uh, career. Trying to switch fields. So going from medical sales to healthcare IT, and I seem to be doing a good job getting past the first couple of interviews. But in the last few, last two, when I got to the hiring manager, it always comes down to really like you. Sounds like you're a good guy, but you don't have the experience we're looking for. So, is that a um, is that a way of just saying thanks but no thanks, or you know, what what else could I do to sell? Yeah. What I try to do is just try to paint the picture that I don't have that specific product experience, but truthfully, if they have the training to be able to train a customer, they should be able to train me in that in that category. So yeah, and I'm going to say yes. That is that is code for something else. The problem is we don't know what it's code for, but it's really uh, recruiter speak to say, well, we we found somebody who has closer experience, or you know, you don't have this exact experience because. It, they don't want to say anything too specific. So here's the good news, Claude. You're getting in the door, which and they're not going to waste their time if you don't have something of value. They're not going to even invite you in. Um, so you're getting in the door and you're getting that first interview, but you're you're kind of not getting to the the place you're going. So one of the things I'm just going to take a guess here is. Um, are you showing them things in your past that demonstrate that you're resourceful, agile, quick learner? Are you are you making this a clear part of your brand in the interview? Um, that's a good question, um, and I, I don't know if I am. If, if I'm not getting getting past those guys, I'm probably assuming I'm not making that distinction. Because here's what I'm going to say to you, and and um, I don't know that. Uh, that everyone on the hiring side would admit this, but there is no ideal candidate. There's no one who's going to walk in the door aside from the candidate who probably just left the role who has everything they're looking for. So when you look at the job, if you have kind of the top three things, even if you don't know the specific uh, system they're using, or if you haven't done something, this is super common when you're changing jobs. And I think they've got to do a couple of things. One, if it's a major part, I think you have to acknowledge their concern and say, you know, yep, I, I definitely understand why you're concerned about the fact that I don't know this specific software system. But what I can tell you is in the last three companies I've worked for, they all had company-specific programs, which I learned on my own in a week and was up and running on them. So I think you really have to kind of pinpoint what is their concern? What's that one thing that keeps getting in the way? And then demonstrate how you've overcome it previously. Ross, do you have something to add for Claude? I would certainly echo that. And, and I would also echo, Claude, that, you know, uh, to what Don said, that if, if you're getting this far in the process, you're doing something very right. Um, so congrats to that. You, you really are doing something right. Job, switching jobs and switching careers is, is trickier. Let's face it, it is trickier. I would, um, again, to sort of reiterate what Don had said is, um, I think what, one of the things I often tell people is, especially when you're making a career switch, when it isn't you know, blatantly obvious that you've spent the last 20 years doing the job, um, you've got to connect the dots for them. You've got to have, uh, as Don said, a really br- strong brand statement. One of the things I prepare people for when I'm coaching them on interviewing is you've got to have a really compelling answer to this one question above all else, which is why should I pick you? Why should I hire you? Because you're going to be up against other people who have some experience in that world. So you've got to come up with a really compelling answer. And a lot of it is very similar to what Don said with show me where you've done something similar. Maybe you need, if it is on the IT side, you're trying to move in, um, do a little dig- digging, talk to people, connect through LinkedIn, um, try to find out uh, from people, you know, what systems are they working on? What systems are they like that might be similar to something you have worked on? Um, anything along those lines where you can start connecting the dots for them. One of the mistakes a lot of people make, and I'm not necessarily saying you're doing it, Claude, because you got far in the process, but one mistake a lot of people make is they, they, they kind of hope that people see something in them. And what I usually tell people is, you know, it's got to be up to you. You've got to connect the dots for them and say, here's where I know I can add value. Here's what I know I can do. Um, similar to what I said earlier, is, you know, that ideally suited to. Really break it down for them, and then you look like someone who really knows what you're offering. And if you can spin whatever background you've got in a positive light, that it allows me having this background also allows me to bring in this, then you look like you have some added value as well. So I think you've just got to, you know, again, maybe just amp up that 
that um, value proposition that you offer and really be as specific as you can. Totally agree. And Claude, one last thing I want to say, just having been a hiring manager and having been a recruiter, one of the things, the biggest things that that a hiring manager wants is somebody who's going to come in and solve their problems. And one of the biggest things they dread is somebody who's going to come in and need their hand held. So I think to the extent that you can really show that you're going to be proactive about, about the learning and be resourceful and you know how to connect with people in the company to get what you need, I think that's going to make a hiring manager feel like, oh, this person's got it. They already know what they need to do. They're, you know, they're not going to be a big like, kind of drain on my time. And that's what's going to get you the offer. So Claude, thank you so much for listening to Career Talk. And thank you for the love. We love that here. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Steve in Texas, we are wrapping up. What is your question really quickly? Really quickly, uh, credentials versus pra- uh, practical experience. Right now, most HR and hiring managers are looking at credentials and they're competing for people across the board putting all their time and energy into credentials, more like a trophy case versus people who can actually do the job. There's been a study out recently that 79% of all applicants who don't get hired would stay longer, be paid less, be more loyal, and be more effective for the job objective while everyone else is trying to compete for someone who has credentials. Why do you think that is? Is it a conditioning of hiring managers and HR people. It's so interesting to me that you say this, Steve, because I know what you say is right. You want to know why, and I'm going to, this is controversial, I'm going to say it's laziness. It's really easy for me to look at a resume and say, okay, this person has an MBA and a PMP and a PhD and an LP and all this stuff and say, oh, this person must be qualified. Um, but when it comes down to it, those same people are asking like new college grads or new MBAs, well, what have you done? Yeah, great, yeah. you have an MBA, but what what is your actual practical experience? So it's so like ironic to me that they kind of do the lazy let's get this resume in and then when you get there they're like well yeah so what you take a class on data analytics what have you done ross i would totally agree i think i i think that that does happen an awful lot um you know it's it's so easy to sort of quickly say i want an mba um and they look at the resumes and see an mba they can use it as search criteria through the database or through a um you know, some sort of a, a software to look for these sort of things. It's easier to do that than to actually evaluate a person's suitability. Um, so it, it's tough. I mean, all, all we can say is, and I've had a ton of clients like this who have had phenomenal experience in their in their lifetime. They just don't have, as you said, the trophy case. They don't have the, the letters after their name, per se. The best what you can put forward is just put the most spectacular resume together is it going to get through every single time? No, but if you if you can out if you can out impress those people who have the trophies but don't have the the experience that you have, someone's going to pick you and they're going to love you for it. Yeah, and I think that's where networking comes in. I mean, when you have a conversation with somebody who has practical experience versus a conversation with somebody who has a lot of textbook knowledge, it is a very different, different conversation. conversation. So, Steve, get in front of those networks and show them what you can do because I have no doubt that that will that will be the way to trump this issue. So, Ross, the time has gone by so quickly it as always. always. Goes by so quickly. And you are ideally suited to career talk. Actually, that's you're you're way more than ideally suited. You are awesome on this show. We love having you. Please tell listeners where they can reach you. Well, they can reach me. Uh, my website is your as yourcareerquest.com. Um, my email is Ross, R-O-S-S, at yourcareerquest.com. So that's probably the simplest ways of reaching me. And I'll show you some love too, Don, and your team. Absolutely love doing your show. <laughs> Well, Ross, we love having you, and we will certainly have you back soon. Hey, if you want more great advice, go to dawnoncareers.com. Michelle and Dion, you guys rule. Dion, you did get credit for that question. You got it right. It was teachers. And hey, for everybody who called today, you have no idea how good you've made me feel. Thank you. I do this show for you. I'm here for you every week. If you've got ideas, questions, or other topics you want us to cover, go to... Tweet at Dr. Don Graham, and we will do that. You've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111.